0: Hi there, and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, episode 32, The Bledisloe Game 1 Review. And it was an incredible game. I was up and about, yelling, screaming, just getting super incredibly excited about the game of rugby that was unfolding in front of me. How
1: were your nerves? How was your heart rate going, Mitch? Oh, I was was so nervous the whole game. I was nervous going into the game. I was nervous at halftime. Uh, Right at the end, I was nervous. I was just, it was nerve wracking the whole time. I was not sitting down for most of the second half. I was up pacing and jumping and screaming and yelling. And yeah, it was a big afternoon
0: it was one of the best games of rugby that we could have returned to after such a long break and one of the things i know we're going to get into this in more detail but just off the top um i'm just loving the fact that all the northern hemisphere rugby people that i follow on twitter and facebook and insta are all saying the same thing they're all marvelling at the game saying it was one of the best games i've seen in a very 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 long time (laughs) and it was just a great display of rugby and it's so good that australia is a part of that conversation
1: oh it's been too long since we've been in involved in a great game of rugby or the that sort of quotation so yeah definitely it's awesome
0: well mate who we are and what we do we are two diehard rugby fans who have a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby we are real family friendly and positive so get involved get involved so why don't you take us through our social media platforms before we jump into what we're going to be doing tonight?
1: Yeah, awesome. So we're on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. We are on Facebook at pick and drive rugby podcast. We've got a page on there and we're also at Twitter. So you can follow us at pick underscore drive rugby. Um, We're quite sort of we're on social media more and more at the moment, so definitely give us a like and a follow, um, and get in, and get involved with us because we'd love to hear from you all.
0: Yeah, we'd really enjoy the banter and reviews that are coming back and forth. It's lots of fun to be chatting. So thank you everybody for the comments. Um, Tonight, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be covering just really briefly going through some of the news, which is mostly just a bunch of players re-signing and a quick comment on South Africa and the Rugby Championship mm-hmm. before we hit up the Bledisloe Cup game. So we're going to structure it in five parts. Um, we're going to have a quick overview, personal thoughts of the game as point one, point two, key moment, three, players who impressed, four, Quick rant opportunity. We might even time that. to so make sure that we stay positive. And then five <laughs> preview of next week's matchup. So should we just jump straight into the spicy news, my friend? Let's do it. Let's All jump. right, cool. So um, basically, spicy news. I might quickly start off with the domestic. And then do you want to cover the international? Is that Different. okay? Do it. Okay, sweet. So this one is relatively simple. Um, There are a bunch of players who have re-signed for some of the super clubs. We're not going to cover everybody um, because there have been some re-signings here and there, but some of the key ones. The Rebels have re-signed Brad Wilkin, Michael Wells and Richard Hardwick, all back row players. Fantastic. Um, Wilkin and Wells are to the end of 22 and Hardwick is to the end of 2021. So that is good news. They're all really quality players. Wilkin particularly kind of bursts onto the scene late in the piece this season and was really performing quite well. So good on him. Good choices. Glad to see some continuity there. Um, Any comments on that
1: before I move on to the force? Yeah, no, perfect what you said. Um, Brad Wilkins had struggled with injury over the last few years. So it's good to see him string a few games together and that he's recommitted to the Rebels. So we'll see him next year as well. It's
0: good. Brilliant. So, we're going to move west to the force. So, there's the big news that's come out. I'm not sure if we spoke about this at the time. No, we um, didn't. We spoke
1: about the Irish player coming down.
0: Yeah, so Rob Carney is going to be coming down. Okay, so there's a few. Um, The big names is that we have two Argentinian international players. So, Thomas Cabelli and Julian Montoya are both coming for a one-year deal over to the Western force, which is brilliant, much needed experience, uh, which is absolutely wonderful. But in addition to that, there have also been some other re-signings of their um, squad players. So you've got three forwards. You've got Angus Wagner, Greg Holmes, and Feliti K2 as well. So that's a hooker and two props. They both, they all, three of them had really good seasons. So it's great to see them uh, locked in. You also have the re-signings of Fergus Lee Warner, Kane Koteca, and Ollie Callan as well, um, as well as Brad Lacey, Jack McGregor, and Byron Ralston. So the force are on the forefront of the re-signing of their squad and one of the key takeaways that we had from Aspen of force was that they needed to make sure that they had continuity in their playing mm. roster Good. and it seems like they are definitely doing that whilst trying to add in some big marquee signings as well to provide some experience
1: and quality at the top end too. Thoughts, comments, opinions, Mitch? Yeah. I just wonder if with these big uh, names coming out of Argentina, I just wonder if they're starting to tip too heavy into the sort of international marquee signing stage. Um, They've already announced that they've got um, Rob Kearney coming down and uh, they've signed Tavita Kuendrani and Tom Robinson. So they've got some big names coming in next year with these two Argentinian guys coming as well. It just sort of seems like they're going to fill up most of their squad, or at least you would think their starting team, with a lot of internationals. Um, and I definitely like uh, Mitch Hardy was saying that they need that balance between uh, building and developing talent and getting that continuity flowing through the squad. But they also want to sign a few. I just wonder. I'm just conscious that they might be signing too many.
0: Yeah, and I think it's an interesting one to signing at Kubeli because I mean he's going to be behind the captain. Yeah, And it's an interesting one. Will he, cause he's a really good player. Uh, will he end up forcing prior out of the starting team? And if so, who's going to be captain uh, now, Mitch Hardy, when we were interviewing him about the Western force for the season review, he actually made the comment that the force need to be really careful to not try and do the marquee thing, mm. which you just pointed out. Yep. So it's, I hope that they actually don't announce any more big signings and it's just a re-signing of other players in their squad. Um, and that is, or maybe even a promotion of players through the Western Australia pathway. But regardless, well done, Force. Good to have the money of Twiggy Forest to mean you can lock in players <laughs> early. That's right. Uh, I mean, this is yeah. the other
1: interesting thing is that this is Kubeli's second stint in Super Rugby. So he yeah, spent a few yeah, years at the Brumbies as well. So he definitely knows the environment and he knows the, well, he, he knows the Super Rugby landscape. So um, it's good to have him back, I guess.
0: Yep. Well, why don't you jump into the international scene now?
1: Yeah, so we've got some news coming out of South Africa, which is a little bit worrying for the rugby championships that's meant to happen later the, or later this year, ne- early next month. So, what South Africa is saying is they haven't actually, their government hasn't officially signed off on their participation in the tournament. Um, they've released a, a statement on Saturday saying that, um, and word for word, is uh, South African rugby still hasn't signed off on the spring box, definitely participating in next month's tournament. The ability to participate in the rugby championship will be finalized early next week. So fingers crossed that they can, because um, I mean, South, where Australia is already over in, in New Zealand, and New Zealand's confirmed to come over here, Argentina's already arrived. If South Africa do for whatever reason, pull the plug, kind of put some questions as to what's going to happen doesn't it
0: yeah i mean my guess is it is still go ahead just with three teams but poor argentina they just get pumped um <laughs> it would not look good for them plus it means we just have to play new zealand more maybe if they added some extra games in well definitely um, be home by
1: christmas that's for sure <laughs> definitely so
0: hopefully i mean all the pundits that i have read and heard are saying that basically South Africa almost has to come because they need the money and that there are major issues with them coming because, of like of game time, lack of preparation. Uh, but they're the world champions, they need the finances to be able to help support uh, their domestic game and to play to keep the um, South African rugby
1: union. Yeah, it's an in interesting sort of scenario because. Because typically um, the home team will keep the, the revenue of the, the gatekeepings. Now, yeah. with this proposed rugby championships tournament with back to back tests and, um, and sort of and Australia's hosting, what happens there? Do they split the money four ways? Yes,
0: all the money is being split evenly four ways. Yes, definitely.
1: Wow. That's going to be tight for us then, as, as fans who want to potentially go. We might be looking at paying upwards of $300 a ticket. Oh, no, no, they're not doing that much. <laughs>
0: like, well, wow.
1: as in, there, it'll be,
0: is what, how much was the, because you bought tickets for the first, or you were thinking, I haven't of bought yet. I was thinking about it, but
1: the, Rugby Australia is asking $160 a ticket for category B. Wow. It's crazy. That's just us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I got into a bit of a, um, uh, I replied to a Facebook thread on no, a Facebook thread from Asics about the cost of the new Welby's jerseys cuz like oh. 160 bucks. Yeah. And my reply to it was, well, you've just priced the majority of punters out of actually buying one of these. Um and the amount of people that have replied completely agreeing and liking the post is just incredible. So it shows that there's a market for the jerseys if they were actually brought down to a reasonable price point of say like a hundred dollars. Um, but anyway, look, let's not talk about that because I really just want to get to the game. Let's do it. Um, I think that wraps up the news. So let's move into our
1: review of Bledisloe 1. Let's go. All right. Now it's time to talk some rugby and international rugby. We've been talking a lot about Super Rugby this year, and we're finally getting into the Bledisloe. So earlier this, this afternoon, we saw New Zealand hosting Australia, and Bledisloe won in Wellington. Um, it was a, a draw actually, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming. It was sixteen all at full time, um, and it was a very very exciting game. It was back and forth. It was it had it had nearly everything. Um, there's a lot of people that are saying that this is one of the best uh test matches we've had in a long time so very good for us wallabies fans the wallabies did very well the all blacks probably not as well as people were expecting Um, but we'll get into that in our review so we've got a little bit of a format we're going to follow this tonight uh first of all we're going to do a bit of a, a a review or an overview of how we thought the game went our sort of personal thoughts then we'll discuss the key moments of the game we'll then look at players who impressed or didn't impress then i'm going to have a little bit of a rant around a few certain things that uh getting on my nerves at uh, the last sort of few things. And then we'll have a preview of next week. So does that sound good, Ando?
0: Sounds great. I've got a little bit of a rant as well. Um, so it oh, won't good. be as long or as significant as yours, I feel. But I just want to thumb my nose at
1: a few people. So yeah, yeah good. I'm looking good. forward to it. I won't, be, I won't be the only one ranting. All right, Ando, <laughs> nah. I'm going to throw over nah. to you to give your review or your thoughts.
0: Well, firstly, what a game of rugby. Um, your comment before that people have been saying it was absolutely impressive, one of the best games of in international rugby they've seen for a while is so true, partly because we haven't had international rugby for a very, very long time. But even... Yeah, yeah. How crazy. Yeah, crazy. Uh But the, the thing that I just absolutely love is that such a good game of rugby was the first game of international rugby in a yeah. year. And it was served up by two teams who played good rugby. Now, there were errors, there were mistakes, there were poor decisions throughout, but that happens in any game of rugby, basically. And um, I really am just proud of the Aussies for the performance that they put. Mm. Now, if I actually get into a bit of a review of the game in a a bit more specific, um, what really impressed me was the fact that after the 44th minute, it was only a penalty by Geordie Barrett in the 79th minute that was the only time New Zealand's in the yeah. second half. Yeah. So Aaron Smith gets his 44th minute try, which I want to speak to. Um, but it, that then normally New Zealand absolutely rips us apart in the latter stages, of, like the last five minutes, but that didn't happen. And the Australian team showed, well, the Wallabies showed a level of composure a level of commitment and that obviously linked to character that we drew in a way that we haven't seen in the last maybe 12 months of checkers tenure with the wallabies and so yes obviously there were missed opportunities you can very easily point to the lack of a drop goal attempt in the kind of what 80 80th minute 81st minute 83rd Yeah. Yeah. So you can, you can point to things like that, that say we should have been better with our decision-making at that point. Um, You can point out areas throughout the game and mistakes that we made, but the, and, and the fact that we didn't take the opportunities to win the game, but the reality is we were massive underdogs coming into the game. Most people had us losing by anywhere from 10 to 20 to 30 points and to be comfortably in with a chance of winning in The final f- 20 minutes of the game I is a real testament to this team, so I'm very, very happy, although ruining missed opportunities in the well, as the game was closed out. So that's my quick, like, overview feelings and thoughts at this point in time.
1: Yeah, love it! Awesome. Yeah, I was, um I was just very impressed with this Wallaby side. So they've come together uh, for, they've been together for three weeks and we, they've come off a pretty competitive and, and exciting, super rugby AU competition. But the form we saw of, of the New Zealand Aotearoa competition and the North versus South was just a step above. Uh, there was a lot of thought or talk around that the Wallabies just weren't going to be able to match it. Um, it was too much to ask. We've got a new coach. We've got a new coaching setup. We've got all these new players. We had, out of the team that was playing, we had two players in the starting side that played in the last game for the Wallabies last year. So for a lot of people, it seemed like this was just going to be a mountain too high to get to, but they just came out firing and they, had, they didn't seem to be overawed by this uh, encounter at all. They were up for it. They were physical. They made their hits. They did their basics really, really well. Uh, and I was just really impressed with everything really around across the board, apart from probably the lineup. That was a little bit, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, yeah, it was a great test match and they did so well to come back um, and to stay in it that yeah, it was, it was so good to see. And these young guys really rose to the occasion, the, the debutants that starting for the Wallabies for the first time, just, they didn't seem uh, nervous at all. They seemed to fit in and test level, which was just great to see.
0: Yeah, I think the player... Um, the, one of the people that really fitted in particularly well, I know we'll go into the players who impress at a later point, but Hunter Pasami, yeah. I thought, looked very comfortable. Um, there were some moments of nerves. He threw a very needless offload that led to that first New Zealand break that didn't result in a try. Because yeah. um, I think it was Yuani got bundled into touch, or yeah. Barrett got bundled into touch. But uh, th- that was a moment of nerves, but he put in some really strong tackles. Um, one that could have possibly been called back for a penalty, although the video ref did take a look at it. it yeah, he, he just played with a level of composure and physicality that was really pleasing to see. And he didn't make any major gaffes except for that one failed offload. Uh, yeah, and exactly. he, Yeah, like Which can you be can't excusable. ask for much more. Yeah, you can't ask for much more from a 21-year-old debutant who was basically, uh this is his first full season of Super. And he's just come straight into the Wallabies team. It's just, I was really, it shows you what, a quality coaching environment mm. and culture can do with a team and i just really hope that this broader squad is kept together for the next four years obviously you'll have some people in and out but i just want the core team to remain for the next like four year cycle yeah. to the next world cup because yeah. i think we're on the um we're at the start of something really special moving forward now i don't think we're going to win every game this year <laughs> i was going to say mate,
1: we've just played one game let's not get no, ahead no, of ourselves.
0: <laughs> no but we've played one game and seen young players do yeah, well exactly and i think it's the beginnings of something special yeah, definitely uh so here are all the caveats and qualifiers right there, it's the beginning of something um yeah, awesome. but we'll see we'll see should we move on to the key moments
1: yeah definitely. all
0: right mate do you want to start this one or do you want me to go
1: no you go first
0: Okay, well, very obviously Reese Hodge. Okay, <laughs> uh, and he's oh, like two, two, two inches and or two centimeters, maybe, and he gets that conversion, and we'd probably win the game. Uh, absolutely probably. immense.
1: No, we would have won the game. It was the, oh, because it, it was after the, the buzzer, second minute.
0: It was 80 second minute, of yeah. course. Okay, then obviously we win the game. Yeah. Um the fascinating thing that I found about that, just within this key moment, is that the wallabies chase up the um chase up the kick, right? But Caleb Clark knocks it on.
1: Yeah, yeah. When yeah. it
0: comes off the upright. So yeah. he tries to catch it and he catches it but like fumbles and it goes underneath his body he as like he falls falls into the over, ground.
1: He rolls over the ball. Yeah,
0: falls over it. And he, he knocks it on, number one. But then number two, I think it's Hooper and somebody else is following it up. And they just clean out the... Um... T.J. Perinara and Caleb Clark, who aren't... like Maybe Caleb Clark is fair enough to clean him out because he's te- technically in a rock yet. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but Perinara exactly. was not involved with it at all and he just got totally cleaned out off the ball. Um, and then somehow we get the ball back. So there's another potential penalty against us there. So one for New Zealand, one against us. Um, and then in this next sequence of play, there are just so there's so much pressure and you could just feel the referees just letting anything go because they didn't want to blow a penalty and let that be the thing that decides the game. Um, so because of what it sets up with the insane final five minutes of the match, my key moment is Hodges 82nd minute.
1: Yeah. no. Nice. Yeah. My, um, my key moment is Cora Betty's try. In the um mm, in the second half, yeah. which was in the oh, where is it uh the fifty third minute, so at that point we are down thirteen three. We uh Aaron Smith had just scored a try in the forty third minute. Uh again um Barrett missed the kick, so thirteen three. Corabetti scores that try and we go on to score not too long after. Um so again sorry we go on to score again not too long. Oh uh... fifty three and sixty third are our two tries. Yes. Corbetti try. Yes. So we get, so 53 minute. Um, yeah. So that was just a momentum shift for me. They, the Wallabies up into that point had had a lot of possession and they'd been making some ground, but they weren't really getting through. They hadn't made a lot of clean breaks. Um, and I was starting to worry that I particularly in the first half, I was starting to worry that we had had so much possession, but we hadn't really gotten through a lot. And when we had gotten through, we lost the ball a few times, um, in in the ruck so just not cleaning out properly new zealand pilfers getting straight over the top and, and winning the jackal so uh corabetti offer a, a full line out for, of all things they go wide and corabetti scores in the corner and it just shifts the momentum then and from that point on it's basically it's nearly all australia um coming on hard for at the all blacks and yeah they they do really well to to, to hang in it and to come through at the end so I think for me that was the momentum shift and that's my key moment. Yeah, look, I
0: I agree that that is a really big moment and another one which is earlier in a match because mine was pretty token, like obviously his kick is a key moment. Um, but the Rico Iwani missed try in the f- like first minute of extra time in the first half um, was just incredible. Because how often do we see New Zealand teams score in that 5-10 minute bracket yeah. at the start of the half? So they scored in the 44th minute, so the first five of the second half. But Rico Iwani just failing to secure the touched it like secure the placing of the ball oh, for gosh. the try was just he's gonna have nightmares about that the poor guy and that i think could have broken maybe not broken the spirit but severely dented the spirit of the aussies and the resistance of the oh aussies. that would have been hard um, that would have
1: been hard to come back from yeah
0: yeah, yeah big time considering um, they had the
1: more they had the line out in uh in the just over the 10 meter line of the all blacks half so yep. they were in like prime scoring opportunity and they just sent let them all the way through and score in the other corner. Yeah, that's that's big.
0: Yep. Absolutely massive. So yeah, look, that that moment of that just simple like that mistake, these things occasionally happen. And um we were just lucky enough that it was happening in our favor within this game. So why don't we shift now to the players who impressed us yep. or did not impress us? And I'll let you start this
1: one if that's all right. Yeah, cool. So what I was thinking with this one, we go one one. So yeah. we we'll start with players who cool. impressed, and I'll say mine, you say yours, then we'll go back and forth, and we can comment on each other. So for me, yeah. um, you mentioned him earlier, but Hunter Paisami did really well in this game for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew he had the ability to play well. I just wasn't sure if we would see that at, at test level, particularly going up against the All Blacks. But, yeah, he had some strong carries. He was good in defense as well. Um, he did everything he needed to do. So I was really impressed with him, and he, he doesn't quite have the ability of Samu Kerevi to break the line. But he has the ability to make meters in the tackle, which is enough. Yep. So, yep. yeah, I was really impressed with him.
0: I really like that he put in a um, touch-finding kick. With I think it was in the second half, or early in the second half. Um, he got the ball and an attack, saw some space in behind, put a kick in. That's the first time I've seen him kick the ball, from what I can remember. And <laughs> um, So, it's just, it's just nice that A... He can do it b he had the confidence to do it and c it was a well executed kick yep. so yeah nice to see him just add to his kind of repertoire at 13. um For me, obviously, Felipe Dunguni was awesome. He had a couple of nervy moments in the first 15 minutes where he kind of makes a half break, breaks one tackle, and then he just tried to do some silly offloads. Um, There's a couple of times where he went for a kind of of out-the-back-of-the-hand offload, or another one where he's hit the ground and tried to pop the ball up to somebody who who was expecting to be going in yeah, that, for the clear out of that, the ruck.
1: That was that first one to Harry Wilson, when he makes a break down the right-hand side. Is that that yeah, way you're thinking yeah. of? And then he offloads. That's, that's one of them. High. I mean, that... Yeah. yeah.
0: Look, yeah. for that one, I don't mind that one as such, because yeah. if if... Um, Wilson's able to bring it in, then He's he waiting. may well have been through then, yeah. Um, but he also had a couple of other moments that I was watching where I just thought, mate, you just need the experience and the composure to just take the tackle here, trust that your um, the loose forwards are there or other backs are there to help secure the ball and just keep up the momentum and a pressure. Yeah. Don't go for this 40%, 50% chance ball when it's better to just keep possession, yeah, and keep play. applying the pressure, yeah. Look, occasionally. I don't mind if a player goes for that but there were 3 or 4 times where he did make a little pass that I thought wasn't um, wasn't required. Now that small criticism being said, he was brilliant. He every time he got the ball he looked dangerous and against the New Zealand defense for that to be something you're saying about a player is really really incredible. He was good under the high ball as well, didn't drop anything. Um and I think he even kicked it as well at one point considering yeah, he kicked it or twice yeah, and I'm like, okay, yeah. at least we know that he... He can do it all. Kick
1: it. I mean, we know he's a soccer player. <laughs> he can player, do everything.
0: A so... uh, goalkeeper, mate, yeah. So, he's a soccer
1: player. Uh... I said soccer player.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: They I still know. have but to he kick was the goalkeeper for Fiji. <laughs> I know. I'm not disagreeing with you. Okay. I know. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's Yeah. That's no, my, yeah, my, yeah my I I one. liked... Um, I was really impressed with Dunguna as well. I thought he... He started the game, as you said, he started the game quite nervy, but he definitely grew into it, and um, he was in the right places. But in that first half, he was one of the only Wallabies that was actually making breaks. So we yeah. were we were making meters in the tackle, but we weren't making clean breaks. And he was one of the only players that, the, at, in that first probably twenty five minutes, that was actually getting around his his defender um, in getting the ball free. So I thought I was impressed with that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, ready for the, I for the next is. one.
0: Yeah. Um, is that my so one or your one? players who were not particularly impressive?
1: Is that it? Or are we, are, are, you, we are we just
0: still staying on it? No, no, no. We can keep going with the players who are impressed and it's back to you.
1: Yeah, well, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to go like bad now? Impressive. And then back nah, to nah, good? No, no. Nah, nah, let's, 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 let's stay good. Let's stay good. Yeah, let's listen. stay good. Cool. Um, I was impressed with... Well, I've split my list into the first half and the second half. I think certain players played better in the first half and other players came through in the second. So we'll stick with the first half. Sure. I was in. I was impressed with Harry Wilson for his debut. Um. Again, he was making meters in the tackle. He was making a lot of runs. He was, he was mm-hmm. handling the ball really well as well. And he was making his hits and he was doing everything he needed to do. He probably wasn't, and this was, goes across the whole Wallabies team, not just Harry Wilson um, in that first half. They weren't quite fast enough to the breakdown um, in support to clean out that ruck. Um, they tied it up a little bit in the yep. second half and I think that's going to be a big work on for this next week going into Bledisloe two. Uh, we made a few breaks and the first player, the, the player with the ball got tackled and then the jack all over the top stole the ball. There was a number of times where the players were in prime scoring positions and we lost the ball from silly penalties through that. Um, so I think Harry Wilson as as a blindside flanker is responsible for hitting those rucks and cleaning them out, um, he probably needs to work on that a little bit. But I can't fault him that his effort was there all the time. He was he played sixty minutes of his first test like that's that's huge. Um, and yeah, he had some really big carries and some big hits, so I was really impressed.
0: One of the things that was really good about Harry Wilson that I. I think, I think this is accurate to say. He was playing particularly wide in the attack over on the right wing. Yep. Why? Because Dungunu is there. And yeah. so they've got that Reds connection. And the amount of times that Dungun is making a half break and who's the person that's there supporting him? It's Wilson. Yeah. Um, and Or Wilson gets his shoulders through the tackle, goes for an offload. Who's it going to? It's going to Dungunu. And so I just like that there is this element of looking for um, little state or club-based competition yeah continuity uh, from super rugby yeah 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 correct so i think that that was that was really good in that you had o'connor Paisami, wilson and Dungunu, who were all really involved together in the attack on that right hand side Yeah. so yeah that was that was good i was really impressed with his performance um the next player that i kind of want to highlight is yet another red um taniel Atupo. okay So I don't think he was incredible, but the thing that I was really happy with for him was two points. One, he in his defensive work was really accurate and applied a lot of pressure to New Zealand, particularly in the first like 15 minutes. He was really quick off the defensive line to get up and make a dominant tackle on his opposite. Yep, And... He was accurate in the majority of them, not yeah, he was many. flying
1: off the mark,
0: yep, yep, and so I think that's why he got replaced. well, he got replaced at like the fiftieth minute, one because I think he was pretty spent, but he also had Al- Alatoa coming on to replace him, who is a starter in his own right, so yeah, it makes sense I mean, that they I think we'll talk early. about
1: that a little bit later, um but yeah, I find I found that. He, uh, You mentioned accuracy, and I probably wouldn't say that that was one of his highlights in this game. Yes, he had the intent to be there, but he... And as the game wore on, he became more and more sloppy in his approach yeah, to the yeah. breakdown, and he started to give away silly penalties.
0: Oh, um, yeah. That's not yeah. what I was talking about, because I was going oh, right, to get right. to that point as well. Sorry. So I was saying in regards to making... Um, dominant tackles on yes. as a defender. But yep. you're totally right. He gave away at least two um penalties for entering in from the side when trying to clear out because I think he was just exa- like he was just tired and was losing that uh that kind of level of extra effort that's required. Those little one percentage to make sure you're getting fully coming fully through the gate rather than yeah and also he side.
1: um he gave away a silly penalty against Aaron Smith as well for clearing the halfback out yeah, yeah way past the ball.
0: That's Aaron Smith just being smart and faking faking that he's going in for it. Yeah I mean he did he did also go off out. his feet as well. So um, yeah. Yep. 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 Just battle round. But with that being said, um he was in my mind good with defense. And when he's taking the ball, one of the things he does really well, and it reminds me of um jack dempsey you know how jack jack dempsey does that little shimmy right before he hits a contact line yeah, and like, it means that he yeah. usually avoids the dominant tackle from the defense and might get his shoulders through or just get an extra meter or so on the on the run yeah um taniel tupo was doing like a little stutter step right before he hit the line just to change his angle and to negate the direction of the defense's tackle and i it was just those little things that he was doing that
1: I was really impressed with. So um he would. Yeah, he also had the tendency to drop the ball low and bump in. He bumped off a number of defenders, which I thought was cool as well yeah
0: all right um back to you anyone else maybe we should just do quick fire players who are impressed yeah yeah definitely um Um, so so in that
1: in the rest of the that's basically it for the first half for me so um overall outside of players i was really impressed with the wallabies line speed um and their defense and intent in that first half they were making their they were making a lot of tackles but they were doing they were keeping the the all blacks out so in the second half i was really impressed with dungunu we did we speak about him yeah, I already said him here yeah. first. Um, and Corabetti in the second half. I thought he was yep. quite quiet yep. in the first half, uh, but he definitely flowed more into the, into the game in the second half. It was sort of a, a game of two wings in some way. So the first half, Dunguny was quite dominant and had a lot of ball. Um, but in the second half, Corabetti got a bit more space and they sort of went down his line, his side a bit more often. So that's that was just an interesting point there. Um, and Nick White. I thought Nick White played quite well.
0: Yeah, agreed. So um, the final points I'll say as well, Nick White was really, really good. Um, he His running game from the base after about 20 minutes in, um, some of the commentators, I think it was yeah, Kafer was suggesting, uh, was it Clark? No, um, was sorry. Suggesting was suggesting that maybe Clark, he yeah. got a call from um, up top basically saying, yeah, you need to be running it from the base more. And it was noticeable actually when um, Jake Gordon came on because of the nature of the game at that point, it's absolutely pouring down with rain in the last kind of, 15, 20 minutes of the game, Gordon was just passing from the base of the ruck and yep. not engaging the defense as much, yep. which meant that the uh, the All Blacks were just rushing up more into the face of the fence, And we found the forwards, found it really, really hard to try and get over that advantage line. So yep. I'd be looking for, if it's going to be Gordon again next week, I'd like to see him with his first step or two from the base of the ruck, try and look to engage the defensive line rather than step step pass every time yeah he's, I mean, he's, gordon... he's got a at least off the threat once or twice so the the inside defense has to check themselves on their run because yeah. they're not
1: sure what he's going to do gordon came on with about 15 minutes left to play uh yeah. at that by by that point the game was already tied up it was uh 13 all, i believe at that point or 16 all. um yeah, he definitely – and the the weather started to turn at that point as well. So he was definitely yep. on there for his kicking ability. Um, and that was another point that I, I noticed about this team is in their own half, the Wallabies never cleared it to the fullback to kick. Now, I don't know if that's a reason because Tom Banks isn't a good kicker. The mistakes he had early on, I don't know. But a lot of the time, they would rather sort of do that caterpillar setup where they had two yep. forwards, um, bring the ball back from the ruck, and then the halfback kick – Um, which uh, we haven't seen the Wallabies play that kind of defensive slash attacking kicking game before. Um, I just thought that was quite interesting that they were kicking it from the base of the ruck in box kicks, as opposed to giving it to the fullback or the 10 to clear.
0: I wonder if a part of that strategy was because of the um, conditions at the game. So there was a really, really, really strong breeze. It's all over the place, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so by doing those box kick clearances, in the second half, they were able to get massive meters off the box kicks because the wind was in their favor. But in the first half, there were a number of times where Damian McKenzie at fullback has come in to try and take the... To try and jump up and get the ball and he has basically had to reach out really far in front of him because the wind at the last moment has just pushed the just ball just dropped it down back towards just yeah. dropped it down and pushed it back yeah. towards the wallabies yeah it's there was one um clearance kick that nick white made that he kicked forward and then the wind got it and took it back to him yeah, um, yeah. So it was weird <laughs> So it's... i thought
1: he just stuffed the kick and i was like what and then i was like oh it's caught the wind
0: yeah, it's, it's caught the wind. So I think that that is a particular tactic that they were using because it was so uncertain where the ball was going to be landing that actually having a contestable box kick gives you a pretty decent chance of getting back possession. Um, and it also means that you're not giving up about 10 or 15 meters with that pass back to the fullback or the 10 um, yeah, I to mean, take the kick. It's so a, it's yeah, interesting it's, it was idea. a good choice.
1: I, I, it worked. And I, I think it worked particularly in the all Blacks weren't well. It weren't, didn't, Cope well to receiving the kicks in this game. They dropped a lot of ball from the kick return. Um, Yeah, but in their own half, throwing it back to the fullback or the um, the ten to clear, you would potentially get more meters than kicking it from um, the base of a ruck. But anyway, it's just it it worked for them, so it was good. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um,
0: And the only other thing I'll say is, I thought Sam Kane was really, really. He was instrumental in a number of turnovers in the first half. Um, He was solid defensively and I'm not sure if he made any tackles at all, but he was just um, a player who, I don't know, some people are saying that he actually isn't the best, like seven, not the best player. Yeah. And he um, is like, yeah, he did not miss a tackle. He made 25 tackles and didn't yeah, miss any. Yeah. Um, some people were kind of questioning his choice as being captain and whether he actually is the best seven in New Zealand. And he proved with his performance tonight that he deserves to be. Yep. Uh, I, I was really impressed. So I won't say anything more because we kind of want to move on as well. But yep. um, so who were some of the players that did not impress for you?
1: Uh, Flour Fajanga for me. Yep. He's just the approach to the line-out. I don't know what was going wrong for him. Um, the All Blacks didn't seem to have the issues that he was having, but he was just throwing not straight. He just was missing the man in the air. Um, it just became really predictable. that The All Blacks seemed to get up in front of our jumpers and he was throwing straight to them. Um, and then he just dropped that ball right on half-time uh, half that potentially led to a try as well. It was from nothing. Like There was... No pressure on him. He just had to sort of do this dummy and he sort of in the process of dummying, fumbled it forward. Uh, Just, yeah, I wasn't impressed with his performance. It wasn't kind of test level. Yeah, I would
0: agree. Um, There are a couple of times I think, like if, if if the defensive line out gets up in front of your jumper, I'm not sure if that's. I need to learn more about lineouts, yeah. but I've heard other people say that that's not the hooker's fault. No, um, no, it's not. But he did have a couple of not straight calls, and one, one overthrow definitely
1: that I. Can but there remember. was a number of um, throws that he actually threw to the All Blacks. Like yeah, they so, didn't even get up in front of us. They just got up and caught the ball. So yeah. yeah so
0: either way, like well, I agree, I agree that he was not particularly strong. Um, the player that I wasn't that impressed with was Tom Banks. Mm, uh, yeah. So the first try uh, to Geordie Barrett was a counter attack based on a missed touch finder from yep. Banks. Um, it, he has an absolute rocket of a boot on it or cannon of a boot on him. And he just tried to chew off a little bit too much extra. Um, I mean, test rugby against New Zealand is very unforg- Um, He probably wouldn't get punished at that for that mistake at a super rugby level. But when you're playing against the All Blacks, they just capitalized on it. Counter attack scored. Um he also just didn't seem to mesh with the offensive patterns. We didn't really see any set plays or him arriving late and kind of getting We didn't see the impact
1: that Maddox brought to the Waratahs this year. Yeah. Sort of run in from, from deep and just hit the line at pace and get through. He had a few sort of darts here and there, but he wasn't, I, I don't, I wouldn't say out of the team that he stood out at all. I don't really remember seeing him do all that much. Yep. And look,
0: I think he's, a quality player and he can grow. Maybe he just needs more time and confidence. I don't know him as well as I kind of know Maddox. Yeah. And we obviously know that Maddox is a huge confidence player. I'm not sure if Banks is a confidence player as well. Um, All I know is that I just wasn't overly impressed with his performance this game, but I hope that he, I kind of hope he gets selected again and can really uh, prove to us why he deserves to be there next week. Yeah, definitely. Okay.
1: Anybody else for you? That was pretty much it. I was un- I was pretty impressed with everyone else. I thought the, the reserves that came on did their jobs. see came on, did quite well. Um, yeah, it was good. The replacement front row, yeah, they all did well. Al-Altoa came on well. One yep. area that wasn't particularly a, um, a certain player's um, fault, but that I was not impressed with was the line out, uh, The mall, sorry. The mall off the line-out. So we did this three times. And every single time we went backwards. Straight off yep. the line, off the mall. And it, why, I don't know why we kept going to it because we weren't getting, we weren't getting momentum. We weren't, we definitely didn't have the impact that the Brumbies have at their mall. Um, so I thought they should just scrap that and just throw it out the back line, which was, which was firing.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, I think we do just need to say as well, because everybody's blowing up about this because everyone hates Rob Simmons. Yes. He basically made a mistake within the mall he um if you actually watch that mall back that he gets penalized for uh he was driving through the middle but what happens is the players in front of him split off and then leave to reform at the back of it so he may not have realized he may have thought he broke through and was therefore allowed to reach out and try and reach and get the ball um, but because the players have broken off, it's then seen as him coming around the side and changing his bind. So I have some level of sympathy I mean, for did, him.
1: He did change his bind.
0: Yeah, he did. He did. He did. So, but if you look at again, he comes. He, yes. No, I understand. His yeah. initial movement is coming through, and then the players break off. But and because I mean, they break off, he actually was in the middle of, saying
1: he was in the middle of them all. Yep, at that point.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But then he, but in his left arm, I think it is, changes. And um, the problem then is that the referee is screaming, 19, 19, 19, no. And he just, I don't know, maybe he, he does let hear, go.
1: But to be fair, he does let he put, go. And the outcome yeah. of it, though, is just, it's pedantic refereeing. It's like, what can I penalize him yeah. for? Oh, that guy's, oh, he's a bit of, oh, yeah, I'll give him a penalty. Like the ball there, play on.
0: Oh, there were a couple of points where I'm like, that did not impact the play at all. No. Why you like? Yes, technically Technically, you're right, referee. Technically, but like, what's the? How does this impact
1: the game? But if we're going down to technically, to you're up. right. You're also technically wrong by allowing them to score the try in the first time when they stepped out.
0: Oh, look. Why don't we you know what now, that? I, I think that kind of perfectly up. leads Let's us get right into, into our, our rant. rant.
1: Okay, you start. You start. I know what you're talking about. Go. Okay so I'm going to go, I'm going to just the referee in this game was frustrating to me as an Australian fan. Uh, it just didn't seem fair. First of all there's a number of points here. First of all the 50-50 calls were going against the going towards the All Blacks all game. It was so frustrating the amount of times that the All Blacks dropped the ball and he'd say back like off the kickoff, off the um the rebound off um Hodge's shot at goal. Caleb Clark knocks it on nothing. It's just so frustrating that at this level, they're making those incorrect calls. The second yeah. point was around the touchline. So Rico Iwani steps out. Angus Gardner, our Australian referee, who we haven't been that impressed with this year anyway, but is right on the touchline and doesn't say anything. And he steps out. He The replay shows he's gone out and he doesn't say anything and they score the try. Why as a professional referee, would you not say, I think he was close? Let's just check. Let's yep. just check. Because it's the same thing happens in reverse against the All Blacks in their second try that they got disallowed was um, he goes across to Angus and Angus says, it's fine, no issues. Um, And then Ben O'Keefe, who's the touchy on the other side, comes in and says, we need to check the grounding. I didn't get a clear view. Let's check the grounding. So then Paul Williams sends it up to check the grounding and he's dropped it. So the fact is in that another instance, Angus Gardner's just gone straight. Yes, it's fine, but it's not fine. It's wrong it frustrates yeah. me you've got this technology yep. you it's a Bledisloe cup game it's one of the biggest games in the international calendar use the technology don't make the call
0: good do you want to continue anything else you want to rant about with that
1: oh, i've got i've got a lot of things so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, yeah just the way he approached the game in in it was it was one-sided towards the All Blacks. The way he play, he managed the scrum was one example. The other example yeah, was his yep. use of the advantage. So, in the scrum, the Wallabies had a scrum in the 55th minute, I think, from memory. I don't have the time written down. Um, but the ball sitting at the back, and he's calling out to Nick White, "Use it, use it, use it." And then the front row collapses, and he says, "The ball's playable. Use it." So Nick White picks up and plays on. The next scrum goes to the All Blacks. The exact same thing happens. The ball sitting at the back. He says to Aaron Smith, use it. Then the front row collapses, and he goes, you've got advantage for collapsed scrum. Yep. He does that twice. Now, Nick White comes up to the referee and says, you've said that we're going forward. Why can't we get the ball out? You know, you're telling me to use it. You're doing the same thing to them, but then you're awarding the penalty. And he says, you're not the captain. Go away. It's just little inconsistencies there. You can't tell one team to do one thing and then give the let the other team get a penalty for the exact same thing.
0: Yep, I think um, the hard part is that I feel about this is that we've spoken about Angus Gardner um, not in the greatest light. Like I mean, and all of our comments are based upon decisions Fact. that are made. Then they're, they're never like. Um, <laughs> Personal commentary or something like that. That when we're, we're never trying to attack the person. just oh, okay. I've got nothing um, personal. Mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, but I, I just feel bad because he keeps coming up negatively when we chat, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but he, I mean, that Yuani foot out, you see, there's a still shot of it. Like it's definitely out.
1: Yeah. There's but, no question about it. But why don't so you why, why
0: wasn't it gone up? Yeah, when he goes, oh, I'm not sure about it. Let's just let's just double check. Um, because it's not hard to do, it's quick. Oh. But then the other point was in um one of the so after hodge takes his kick we regathered a ball a couple of hits up it goes to just kind of right of the posts and was it uh, uh, rico yuani or uh, sevilla Ardi sevilla. Uh, so- uh, sevilla sorry Arti sevilla um Ardi sevilla comes around the side off his feet hands on the ball after the ruck has been formed and it takes dunguny going in to rip it off and then pass it out before we secure the ball and it's like unclean messy possession and there are so many reasons why that could have been blown up as a justifiable penalty not even like a uh, 50 50 maybe maybe call like by all by all interpretations you could not
1: argue against that being a penalty and yet it's not given in the ref's defense he was on the other side of that and yes, who's on and this who is the AR <laughs> exactly. Angus Gardner? Yeah, yeah, and
0: that is exactly my point. Yeah. Um, so I'm just it's just a bit disappointing that there are two absolutely blatant moments. Now, with that being said, watching the um post-match interviews with Dave Rennie, how good is it to have a composed yeah. coach that doesn't just blame things, blame yeah. the referees? Because if if we're to be realistic, we could have won the game at multiple points yeah. within those final kind of seven. actually final kind of 10-15 minutes of the game Um, there were multiple times where if we'd made better decisions we could have won the game or kick and yes that yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly um we could have done those things but we just didn't capitalize on our opportunities and that's exactly what dave Rennie said when asked about the foot in touch Mm. he said well look i'm not going to be i'm not going to talk about that because i mean they, they
1: still spun it wide and scored right
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, because there were things that we could have controlled that would have won us the game. So we just need to make sure that we take the opportunities that we have and not rely upon referee calls. And it's just nice to have that level of composure and maturity From our international coach and not have some rant where, I mean, obviously it's a bit hypocritical because we're having a bit of a rant, (laughs) Um, but to not have that on an international scene so that the conversation can now be about the actual rugby and not about characters or people if That makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, I agree with what you're saying. I've got one more point that I want to say about the refereeing, and then I just want to all sum right, it quick, all quick, up. Quick. Um, I just want to yep. sum all what I'm what I'm trying to say. So the other point was his his use of the advantage. So there was a number of times, particularly in that last six or eight minutes of overtime, where we got we got the ball and it should have been our advantage, and he calls advantage over almost instantaneously. It happened a few times in the game as well. So Corobetti at the very end, Corobetti steals the picks the Sorry, they throw the ball to um to a to a Fungu, the the uh, prop with the big uh, moustache. I can't remember what his name is. Uh, he drops it. Corbetti picks the ball up, runs about four meters, and he calls advantage over. Then um, Mwanga strips the ball and he says play on. Now, if they yep. score off that, that's a knock on with no advantage to Australia. They win the game. Yep. Now in the Indians there—that's just incorrect. But earlier on, they get a penalty on the seventieth minute, which actually put New Zealand tied put them up to um, to tied 16-all. There's a scrum. Um, the Wallabies go down. Fair enough. Scrum advantage, penalty. A penalty advantage to New Zealand. They spin the ball out. They go from halfway to the 22, and he's still saying, you've got advantage, you've got advantage. It lasts for like 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Them going all the way to the 22, and then he brings it back. That's a third of the field. It's crazy. Yep. You meant in the... In the rule book, you're meant to only be able to go 10 meters with advantage. If you've gone more than 10 meters, then advantage is over. They've marched so far forward, and then he brings it back. The other point in that, too, is that the penalty was um, on halfway from the scrum, and they take the kick from the 10-meter line. He goes back to the 10-meter line. So they've just got 10 meters, and then they kick, and they win the game. Uh, They draw the game tie up. Now, the only reason I want to say this and that frustrates me is that we are at international level. This is the highest level of the game. And these are silly things that should be ironed out at sort of shoot shield level. As a referee, you should be impartial. You should be able to be consistent to both sides. And those mistakes are not, they're not, they're not something you do accidentally. Like you should be better than that as an international referee, refereeing a slow cup game
0: yeah okay cool so i think that final point is clear because if you're saying he didn't do them accidentally that means he was deliberately benefiting new zealand it has which to i be. think is a, <laughs> a massive to. claim no way you're saying that he's biased and trying to give new zealand the win
1: if you look at what happens and the outcome that's of it, what you've
0: just said yep. no way i completely disown myself from that statement <laughs> um So uh, Mitch's views are not representative of Pick and Drive Rugby podcast. and But I I hear what you're saying in that there were definite mistakes and we do not expect that at international level. But mate, I think the claim that he's deliberately trying to give New Zealand the win is...
1: I'm not saying he's trying to give New Zealand the win, but he's giving them advantage.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. That's a fine line you're treading within that, within that comment. But I do agree in general with the point of there were calls that you don't want to be having on an international stage. Um, So why don't we kind of wrap up this ref discussion? Um, Did you want to quickly summarize anything or was that the summary? That's it. Okay. Yeah. Look, and I think a lot of the conversation has been about that. Um, What I want to very briefly rant about, and this will be a quick one is Um, up you to anybody who says Super Rugby AU sucked Hmm. and wasn't a quality competition because we have seen from this Wallabies performance, which, okay, we didn't win the game. I, I, I know that. I know we didn't win the game. We also didn't but lose. But we have seen from this performance, yeah, we didn't lose. <laughs> and that's something, if you're a Wallaby supporter. Um, but what that definitely shows is that the Super Rugby AU was a competition that has given players confidence. It's given players a belief in their abilities and in what they can achieve. And with the added guidance and expertise and... Um, input that the Wallabies coaching team has provided they have undoubtedly benefited from the Super Rugby AU comp and I don't think the difference that we saw between Aotearoa and AU was as big as everybody was saying yes there were some dud games within AU yeah undoubtedly but there were some dud games within the Aotearoa comp as well um probably more in AU if I'm being completely honest but I just get a little bit frustrated with because I listened to a few um English-based podcast, rugby mm-hmm. podcast. Yep. And I just got really sick of their fawning attitude towards Aotearoa and their complete dismissal of Super Rugby AU. Yep. Uh, I just think it reeks of just a bit of arrogance, but also just a bit of ignorance as well. Um, so yeah, up Super Rugby AU. Good on you. Looking forward to the next season of it. And I really liked the way that it obviously has enabled the players to prepare. Um, so it's good news. Uh, should we now move on to our preview of next week? Definitely. Okay, cool. So next week's game is, it's a Sunday afternoon game as well, isn't it? Yep, it is. Yep. Yeah, cool. So 18th and it's at Eden Park. So uh, that has not been a happy hunting round for the wallabies, but it's going to be a fascinating... Fascinating week of speculation about what Dave Rennie is going to do. Is he going to drastically change the team? Is There didn't seem to be any significant injury concerns that came out of this match. So I don't think there's going to be any forced injury changes from the looks of things. No, that it doesn't sound like things. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what are you kind of expecting from the Wallabies next week? Oh, and the Allbacks as well. I
1: expect the All Blacks will bounce back and, and put in a better performance than they did this week. I think they'll definitely tighten up some of the areas around their kick return. Um, also, their sort of general kicking game. I think they could be a little bit tighter there, and I think that's something we'll see next week. Um, in terms of the Wallabies, I I don't really know what they're going to do. This is what I would like to see them see change. So I would bring on the Brumbies front row. Um, so start, start Alan Alatoa. So I'd be going with Slipper- Fai and Alatoa. Um, hopefully then just to get a more advantage in the mall because I think Alatoa brings more of a uh, driving presence in the mall. Like he, he will drive that area and own that area of the game. Um, I would swap Dane Petty for Banks. I don't think either of them skill-wise that much different. I just don't think we saw enough from Banks this week. Uh, potentially put Banks on the bench and bring Dane Petty into the starting side and drop off someone like Lalesio. Um, that might happen. And the other thing I would think I would potentially bring Liam Wright onto the bench as well. Uh, Rob Valentini came on for a little bit, didn't do too much. Uh, there was one point where Simmons came on and...
0: Salakai Loto.
1: Went yeah, Salakai Loto six. went into six and he's he's a four. He's been playing four all year. So we didn't have a, a, a replacement on the bench. Um, I mean, in, how in how his did defense, Salakai you know, played... Valentini? Why did that happen?
0: I don't, I don't know. Uh, so they basically, they brought, um they brought Simmons, Simmons right? on. Salakai Loto went into number six because he played like, he's played for the Wallabies yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, in, in, the in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then about five minutes later, they subbed off Salakai Loto and
1: brought on Valentini. Oh, is that why they did that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they left
0: him on for a few more minutes and
1: then, and then subbed him off later. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, I just think Liam Wright would, I'd like to see Liam Wright on the bench, but um, yeah, apart from that, yep. that's. I, don't, I think they're going to be fairly similar around their approach to the game. They will definitely tidy up their uh, their breakdown work. Um, Tamua this week did a few silly kicks in behind. He didn't seem to, like the kicks that he was doing were a little bit pointless. Like they weren't quite finding the man or they didn't quite find touch. They just sort of aimlessly rolled along, the, along and went, went out or went out dead in goals. Um, so I think yep. they'll definitely tighten that up as well.
0: Yeah, I think uh, we will see New Zealand come back with a vengeance because they had many quality players that did not shine in this game. Mm. And they are too good in my mind to have two poor games in a row. I mean, that's my expectation. I hope they have poor games in a row. (laughs) But you have Aaron Smith, Richie Mawanga. Jordy Barrett wasn't that good. He's also Um, playing out of position. Yeah, he is. He is. And that's the problem. Um, I almost imagine that you just maybe even take him out of the starting team. If Bowden Barrett's back for next week, uh, I almost wouldn't have him on a bench and maybe bring in Sever Reese instead yeah. of him. Yeah. Or, or Caleb Clark, actually, because Caleb Clark was fantastic when he came onto the field. So yeah. maybe start him next week in place of Jordy Barrett. Yeah. But, I mean,
1: Sever Reese has that experience, though. So maybe you bring yeah. Severis, start yeah. Reese and bring on Caleb Clark in the
0: field. Yeah, maybe that, yeah. that could be a good call. Um, but with Aaron Smith, one of the things that I was i'm not sure if i read this or if i thought this so apologies if i've just stolen someone's intellectual property um but aaron smith was really quiet and i wonder if it's because a lot of the time the aussies were actually playing it really tight so they didn't always spin it wide like they would just madly do under checker and they were just kind of going back and forth either side of the ruck and good on pick and drives Yeah, exactly. Look, good, good. And it required Aaron Smith to actually get in and make a few more tackles than maybe he would normally do. And I noticed that he didn't have as much of a commanding role within the game as I would have expected. He was really um, upstaged by Nick White. Nick White was definitely the best nine on the field, uh, which is incredible because Aaron Smith is probably the best nine in the world. And so it was just good to see that. But my expectation is that that won't, happen again um the i'm not sure what tactical adjustments will be made but i think that they'll look to try and find a way to get aaron smith more involved and also having bowden barrett back in team will just add another level of danger to the attacking plays damien mckenzie was really poor as well so if barrett is back then i think mckenzie will be out of probably out of the squad or maybe he'll be the utility back that they keep on the bench yeah um but
1: I just don't. Although, think... if you drop Geordie then and bring on a, a true winger, yeah. I think you drop Mackenzie out, put Bowden Barrett at fifteen, the bench. and keep Geordie yeah. as that that winger as that sort of utility back because I think yeah. he's, he's yeah. better than uh, yeah. Mackenzie.
0: Yeah, and look, um, there's a part of me that would also like to see um, Rob Simmons not in the or not on the bench, and not because I'm inherently a Simmons hater. Um, you love I'm him. Just... What are you
1: talking about? You're like the only I... person that's actually supporting him.
0: <laughs> well i just feel bad for the guy as well i'm too much of an empath oh, um geez. but i oh, know softy softy <laughs> but um i mean look i'm gonna suggest uh, another waratah to replace him instead but i still think that hannigan has a role um and could actually do a good job just because he's got better mobility than but he's also uh rob simmons
1: a, yeah he could play six and five
0: yeah so he can be a line option as well yeah. and so having him in there just gives he still covers lock like um like Simmons does. Yep. But and he's he's a good line out option. Probably maybe not as good as Simmons, at least in well, calling I mean, I the lineouts.
1: We didn't see Simmons have a massive improvement in the lineouts anyway. And if no, that's the reason that no. he's getting picked, um, yeah, it, it's not enough.
0: Yeah. So I'd be looking to maybe replace Simmons. Um within a team but that's kind of so my expectation in a broader sense now that i'm not just talking about specific individuals from either side is i expect new zealand the all blacks to be fired up because there's going to be a lot of conversations this week about whether ian foster should be the coach (laughs) um because (laughs) uh it's new zealand press and i think they're going to come out to try and make a statement but at the same time i think the wallabies are going to have taken a lot of confidence from this draw even though the team will justifiably be saying we're not going to be celebrating because we should have won that game yeah uh, they will still be able to take confidence from the fact that it was the first draw in New Zealand for, I can't remember the stat 1962 it was yeah thank you okay 1962 um, and so Leventon they as well yeah there will there, there will be confidence that comes even if they're not talking themselves up. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people would have predicted two or three weeks ago for a game at Eden Park. Uh, But I still think New Zealand are going to pip it maybe by like six or seven. So I might say by by six would be my call. New Zealand by six.
1: And do you leave just as a quick personnel question, do you leave Alessio on the bench? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, What if you don't use him like they did this week? You don't have to use all your bench, particularly your backs. But um, you potentially have the option of using a player. Like if you put, if you bring on, um, who else do we have? That's, you could potentially put McDermott on there instead of Gordon. You could. Yeah, but I mean, that's not going to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. I, I, you could, you could put someone, you could put it back on there. Um, like Dana yeah, look, I,
0: yeah, maybe. But at the same time, um I like the opportunity that it gives. And uh, in the press conference after the game, they were yeah. saying that they would have liked to have brought Alessio on, but just because I can't, Jock had been having a good game yep. and it was so tight at the end, they didn't want to throw a 21-year-old debutant.
1: Yeah, but that's, what, that. that's what I mean as well. Like we, I think next week's going to be tighter than, well, not tighter, but it's going to be tight like this week. Uh, it's yep. going to be on the line as well. I don't know if this is the time that you, you blood Alessio. Yeah, maybe. Maybe wait um, until it's the third or the fourth game in New Zealand. And back we, on home uh, soil. And, or yeah, where like we that. know where the Bledisloe's at at that point. Yep. Um, yep. To give him a crack. Yeah, who knows? And,
0: and it may well be that Jock's form at 10 is enough for him to um, not need to have a dedicated 10 on the yeah. bench. Although, Lelcio um, can play 12 as well. He
1: played 12 outside yeah. of Harrison for the 120s. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, he can. He, he can do both. Anyway, what's your prediction, mate? Yeah, I, um, I think the Wallabies are going to take... Uh, a lot of a lot of um, courage out of this 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 game draw. I was you were going to say victory. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say victory. Yeah, had to I had to catch myself. Um, should have been a victory. James O'Connor was in the pocket. Should have. Anyway, yep. um, yeah. So I'm actually gonna I'm gonna go for the Wallabies next week. I think I think they can do it. I think okay. Dave Rennie has laid out a really good foundation in three weeks. There's a few things they need to fix up. There's a lot more. I think the performance we saw from the all blacks was a lot more telling than of the sort of cracks that are starting to form. Then the wallabies, um, so sort of the ground, the ground worked, the wallabies set, So they can fix up their, their line out, uh, potentially work on their mall. I think they're going to have a real sh- shot at putting it to New Zealand again next week. So I'm going to say Australia by three.
0: Okay. Australia by three and I'm New Zealand by six. So we're both calling it pretty tight. Um, Everybody who's listening, thank you for getting to this point in the pod. We are going to be putting out our predictions um probably uh, later in maybe Wednesday or so
1: next week. Say Thursday, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, we'll say Thursday. And we'd love for you to get involved and we'll read out some chalkies for the following week. Yeah. Um, so we didn't do that in this week, but we will do that in the coming week. So we can see who gets the Chalkies for Blederslow Cup game two. My friend, any final thoughts or comments before we wrap things up for this week?
1: No, I'm just really impressed by the Wally's performance. They've, let, they've set a very good foundation and I'm really excited for the rugby champs and the rest of the year and seeing what the next few years hold as we develop a better team, get a bit of uh, continuity going and um, just grow into the experience that this side Scott.
0: Absolutely wonderful. I've just realized now that we've done our analysis or discussion, um, I've realized why New Zealand lost the game. It's They lost the game because Jack Goodhue had a haircut and doesn't have his filthy, filthy mullet. Of course. And he's obviously a modern-day biblical Samson who (laughs) gained his strength from the length of his hair. So if New Zealand want to get back into the winner's circle, uh, they need to make sure that Jack Goodhue grows out his hair or at the very least gets some mullet hair extensions. Yeah, hair extensions for next week. How about that? You that heard it his first people. Be. Oh, oh, that would be first so tackle bad. and just rips off. <laughs> Although, um, to his credit, Olfa Tuungafasi had the worst haircut on the field. Oh, um, didn't he? It was impressive. Absolutely you were impressive. You were Shave trying to figure front. out
1: how to. You were going to put that in this week. You were trying to figure out where you slotted in. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about hair.
0: And my final point is, um, Mark Bridge. I just think he looks like a great bloke. I feel like I'd like to have a beer with him. And I just George think he Bridge? looks like a really, George Bridge, sorry, Mark Bridge. I'm like, Bridge. who's Mark oh, he's Bridge? He's a football player. George Bridge, my apologies. I know who um, He about. just looks like a really, really good bloke. And so well done for smiling in the moments of a very hard game. Drop a few much high peaks. Yeah, he did. He did. But he kept, he came up smiling. So that's okay. Uh, anyway, look, that's it. Thank you, everybody, for getting to this point in the pod. Uh, get involved with us on social media and look out for our posts later in the week and our review of game two that'll come
1: out early next week Sounds or good. early in the following week. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Catch ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. You can follow us on social media at the following outlets. Follow our Facebook page at Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. Send us a tweet at at Pick underscore drive rugby. Follow our Instagram at Pick underscore drive underscore rugby. Or send us an email at pickandrive rugby at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any questions or feedback you may have, so get in touch. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week.